So I'd like to focus uh, a bit on a big picture thing here, okay? Part of the whole uh, mindset behind the liberal ideology. And I'd like to get your thoughts, if you have thoughts, on what happened over the weekend in the short north and what Columbus has become. If you're like me, if you've lived here since around 1990, and you remember the city when it was rep- when it was run by Republicans, when it was run by, and the people who were noting this at the time used to sneer when they talked about the titans running Columbus. People like John Wolfe and John McCoy and John McConnell, the rich white men who ran Columbus. And they ran Columbus to be a pretty safe place, a prosperous place, a place that didn't have a lot of the problems of the big city. Now, now per capita murder rate here is higher than Chicago, higher than New York. Congratulations, murder mayor Andrew Ginther, America's worst mayor. Yeah, he's worse than Lori Lightfoot. Is she still in office, by the way? Or has the worse than Lori Lightfoot mayor taken over Brandon Johnson in Chicago? Doesn't matter. Andy Ginther's got it all over them. He's turned Columbus into a cesspool where we have gunfire at police officers on a Saturday morning. We've got three people dead in three shootings in the short north, which is supposed to be like the bastion of liberal achievement. Look at the short north. It's awesome. We got all kinds of gay pride flags and windows. We got we got galleries and we got this and that. We got restaurants and we got, uh, oh, it's just awesome. Except, you know, if you don't want to be dodging bullets at all hours of the day and night. And so... Before I get into exploring the liberal ideology behind trying to ruin Columbus, ruin the state of Ohio, ruin America, I got to read you the solution that Columbus City Council came up with last year to kind of try to stop this burgeoning violence in the short north. And here's a quote from the dispatch story this morning. Early morning crime in the short north along High Street became an issue last year. Well, wait a minute. Andrew Ginther Saturday morning said it's unacceptable. Well, if it's unacceptable now, what was it last year when the dispatch says it became a problem? Early morning crime in the short north along High Street became an issue last year due to a string of incidents. Oh, wow, Andrew. Unacceptable, huh? Well, it's still happening. Prompting the Columbus City Council, responding to complaints from residents, to do what? Oh, in late March, the council made, this is the big fix. The violence in the short north. You ready for the big fix? Did we get a gang task force? Did we get a stronger punishment for kids stealing cars, for identifying criminal activity in its burgeoning stages before it progressed to the point where after you steal a gun or after you steal a car at gunpoint or after you carjack someone, you're in jail so you can't commit a murder? Did we get that? No. Here's what we got. In late March, council made changes to Mobile food vendor regulations <laughs> in an attempt to clear the area earlier after bars close. Residents said problems were the results of lingering on the streets. Okay, we got too many people lingering on the streets. I can see where that might be a problem. So as of May 1st, the city required mobile food vendors operating in congested areas of the city like the short north to do what? Do they have to go home at 11 o'clock at night? Do they have to go home at 10 o'clock at night? They had to go home at 2.30 a.m. rather than 3 a.m. Whoa! You talk about your radical changes making the hot dog vendors go home a half hour earlier. I can't believe that didn't turn the short north into Shangri-La. Let me check. What time were the shots fired in the first shooting on... Uh, 
Saturday night. Oh, look at that, 2.30. Probably somebody mad that the food vendor shot down. Couldn't get a hot dog. Couldn't get chili on their hot dog. I'm going to start shooting. Very well. All right, so now let's turn our attention to this lovely couple who lives in the short north for two years and say, uh, we never know what to expect when we go out, especially when the weather gets nice. They say they are saving their money to buy a house in Dublin to get away from the violence. Ah, house in Dublin to get away from the violence. Well, not if Andrew Ginther has his way. I hold in my hand another story. This is one the Dispatch will win an award for. I guarantee you. I was reading this morning, the Dispatch patting itself on the back for winning a bunch of awards in the Associated Press statewide contest. A liberal rag winning an award from other liberal flag wavers. And it was so hilarious to read the titles. Let me see if I can call this up real quick. (laughs) The stories the Dispatch won awards for. It was like social justice this and that and blah, blah, blah. It was like a liberal wish list of stories. Hilarious. It's all they write about. It's all they care about. But here's the story that will win next year. As Columbus booms, its suburbs limit affordable housing options. Yeah, because that's the way the world works. You make more money. You can afford a nicer house. Nicer houses are located in suburbs, which are safer. Why? Because there is an in there is an unbreakable link. I know it sounds racist, but it's the truth between poverty and crime because people who are poor are desperate. People who are poor have not often been raised with the same values, and I'm not saying any ethnicity here. I'm just saying people who are poor are more likely to engage in criminal activity than people who are affluent because your affluence oftentimes depends upon what? Sound decision-making. If you get addicted to drugs or petty theft or something like that, are you making the kinds of decisions that lead to you being a doctor, a lawyer, a captain of industry? No. Now, I'm not saying that there aren't people who are born into a system that you're born into affluence, you're raised with greater expectations than if you're raised in a single-parent home. I'm not making any evaluations about whether or not that is not true or not. I believe it is true. Some people are born with the proverbial silver spoon in their mouth, and it sets them up for success. But that does not mean that they are doing something unfair. It does not mean that through no that, that it's their fault that somebody else is born into tougher circumstances. And here's what also it doesn't mean. It doesn't mean that someone born into those tougher circumstances can't triumph over those tougher circumstances. There are myriad examples of that. That's why we have a phrase called the American dream. But Andrew Ginther wants to end all that. And he, of course, tells the dispatch, he is the world's best buck passer, that the city of Columbus can't fix this problem. And you ever notice Andy's really good at identifying problems the city of Columbus can't fix, which would mean he can't fix them, which would mean you can't hold him accountable for fixing them. Uh, can't fix can't fix the number of uh, shooting incidents in the city. Need the state and feds to do that. Can't fix the affordable housing issue. Here's a quote from the story. In November, Ginther told the dispatch that Columbus couldn't resolve the affordable housing challenge by itself, that suburbs had to step up. Way to pass that buck, Andy. 
This was after Columbus voters approved a $200 million bond package toward affordable housing efforts. Man, that takes some serious backbone to tell people to pass a $200 million bond package to fix a problem that after it gets passed, the first thing you do is say, now don't expect us to fix that problem that you just gave us the money to fix. Don't expect that. This is going to be hard, Ginther said. It will require us to do things differently than in the past 30, 40, or 50 years. Has there ever been a clearer statement made by a leftist Marxist progressive that would illuminate their leftist Marxist leanings than Andrew Ginther saying, this is going to be hard. Libs don't like to do things that are hard. And it will require us to do things differently than in the past 30, 40, or 50 years. Well, you know, Andrew, I remember Columbus before you became mayor, 30, 40, 50 years before you became mayor. It was a much better city than it is now. And America was a much better country than it is now. Before liberals used the great society 50-some years ago to ruin the black family, the welfare system to incentivize having kids out of wedlock, 30, 40, and 50 years ago, we had respect for institutions. We had respect for law and order. We didn't wonder whether men could be women and women could be men. We didn't identify people by their sexual proclivities or deviancies. Yeah, I'd like to go back to that world, but not Andrew Ginther, not the Democrats. Once you understand what the leftist Marxist progressive ideology is all about, what its number one weapon is, you're much better at spotting it virtually everywhere you look. Their number one weapon is fear. Because if you're afraid, either of personal consequences, your job, your friendship status with other people, or your safety, once you're fearful, well, what do people do when they're fearful? They hide. They get quiet. They seek sanctuary. They seek safety. They don't venture out. They don't speak up. And what's the cause and effect with that? Well, you're a whole lot easier to manage that way, right? I mean, you are a whole lot easier to manage. And what is the left really good at? Protesting. Getting the few people who subscribe to their radical viewpoint to scream, yell, throw things, challenge authority, they're really good at that. They get their small number of people so riled up, and the large number of us who, as conservatives, just want to be left alone, we want the government out of our lives, we don't want to be bothered, well, we become much, 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 much easier to control. And this is happening everywhere. It's what the southern border is about. It's what academia is about. Yesterday, by the way, oh, Christina Johnson bid a uh, teary farewell to Ohio State University yesterday. They had commencement on the Ohio State campus. And they'll replace her with somebody as woke or more woke than her. And she left with a final middle finger to all of us who prize normalcy. Who did Christina Johnson have speak at the final OSU commencement? Attorney and social justice advocate Brian Stevenson delivered the commencement address Sunday. 
urging the graduates, see if this sounds like a conservative message, urging the graduates to do uncomfortable things, challenge narratives, get next to people who are suffering or marginalized, and maintain hopefulness. Man, I hope Andrew Ginther and Brian Stevenson were able to grab a bite to eat before he left town because they fit right in. That is what the whole leftist thing is about. That is why they lie about things like abortion, the dismemberment of children in the womb, being women's health care. That's why they get in your face if you say that a man cannot become a woman. Because if you see enough people yelled at, screamed at, if you see Riley Gaines assaulted enough on college campuses, then when your daughter is imperiled by a boy in a lady suit, you won't have the courage to stand up and say, no, we're just not playing this game. We're not literally and figuratively not playing this game. My daughter, our girls' sports team at fill-in-your-local-public-school or Christian school or private school or charter school, we will not play this game against that school if you're going to insist on putting a boy out there on a girl's team. Oh, you're hateful. Oh, can you imagine the headlines? If you did that at Watterson or at DeSales or at Worthington Christian or Northside Christian or Delaware Christian. Oh, those evil, hateful Christians. They're transphobic. They're transphobic. And you can see this all throughout the whole euphemistic affordable housing push now in central Ohio. Here's a paragraph from the story. They want to bring their dysfunction from the incompetently managed inner city of Columbus right out to where you live. Here's a quote from the story. There are no affordable housing complexes, for example, in Powell or anywhere else in southern Delaware County. You know what there also isn't in Powell or southern Delaware County? Three shootings after midnight and officers fired at by some random idiot. There are also no affordable housing complexes in New Albany. Oh, really? Imagine that. And one each, only one each, in Worthington, Upper Arlington, and Pickerington. And you know what you find when they find these quote-unquote affordable housing complexes? You know what they are? They're old folks' homes. And the reason why Powell... Lewis Center, New Albany, Worthington, Upper Arlington, Pickerington, and any other safe place to live isn't threatened by affordable housing complexes for the elderly is because typically your people over age 75 aren't going out shooting up neighborhoods at night. But this, of course, offends the sensibilities of liberal who, who believe that they, here's the word, it underpins everything deserve to be able to live in your safe community. We deserve it. Why? Why do you deserve it? They can't really explain that. They haven't made good life decisions. They haven't put in the time to become educated to the degree that they would become in demand enough in the workforce or accomplished enough at selling homes or performing a service, haven't started a business, haven't put any skin in the game, but they deserve it. Why? Why do they deserve it? Because you have it, and it's not fair you have it, and I don't have it. I deserve it. Did you work for it? No, that would be racist if you made me work for it. 
That would be homophobic. That would be xenophobic. That would be transphobic. That would be something phobic. Because, again, that's the way the system has worked forever. And leftists and Marxists don't have to have solutions. They just want to tear it down. Tear it down and start over. And when they tear it down and start over, it is amazing how in the tearing down and the starting over, two things happen. Number one, lots of innocent, previously law-abiding people die. And number two, how the people who did the actual tearing down always seem to end up with a whole lot more money in their pocket than they had in the beginning. Quoting again from this dispatch garbage story about affordable housing. Affordable means different things to different people, but experts, there you go, experts. There are always experts on the left. Always. They always have lots of experts. Who are these experts? Don't ask. Experts typically define housing as affordable when it costs no more than 30% of a tenant's income. Funny. I'll bet you that the people paying whatever the monthly payment is on a house at Tartan Fields or Muir Field or whatever aren't spending more than 30% of their income on their house payment. I'll bet they're not. But you know why those places aren't deemed to be affordable housing is because the people who are affording them are making lots and lots and lots of money. So this is a bogus definition because I guarantee you, if you went out, like, for instance, Urban Meyer's house. Remember Urban Meyer's house right there along the 7th Fairway at Muirfield Village? Do you think the house payment on Urban Meyer's house along the par 5 at Muirfield Village cost more than 30% of his income as a monthly payment? No, because the dude was making multiple millions of dollars. You think Ryan Day's... House payment is more than 30% of his income? No. So, technically, Urban Meyer and Ryan Day are living in affordable housing. Not by the left, though, because they make too much money. Well, maybe they make that money because they did what it's required to do at the lower stages of their career to make that money. 